Hey, you're listening to Leah Unleashed Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Leah Unleashed Podcast. I'm so glad you're listening today, and I love this opportunity with you. And I will tell you that this uh, podcast will be on our show this afternoon, uh, starting at 1 o'clock. Um, but anyway, the story that I want to share with you, 34 years ago, 12-year-old Janelle Matthew was abducted from her home in Greeley, Colorado. Just three weeks ago, they recovered the remains of her body. Today, I'm sitting down with Janelle's family, her parents, Jim and Gloria, and her sister, Jennifer. We're also with Eileen Gibson, who is with us as well, and she was the community spokesperson for this case. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. No, I'm just going to start and allow you as the parents of of a child like that. You can't, first of all, you can't believe this could happen. You know, um, after even when Jim and I, you know, in all of these years, we all, we, kind of reminisce and go over it at the end when we talk to each other we just say we we still can't believe it happened it's just an still an unbelievable it's just almost surreal Mm -hmm. and it would be that way and i know even for myself as a parent uh i i i can't even imagine in fact when you've never gone through through something like that personally i don't know that anyone really gets it not like you two not like your um the older daughter jennifer she was 16 at the time to come home to this let's just paint this as the christmas it was december uh uh, the 20th and uh you're just getting ready for christmas you have a 12 year old and 16 year old you have the issues with 12 and 16 year olds uh, and I, I can't even imagine, but, but I know, you know, I'm in a family, I grew up in a family, and I, uh, so it's, you're never thinking in your life, did you, glory in your life, did you ever think this could be a possibility? No, it's just, you know, the reason um, I, I left, uh, it was a different Christmas because I hadn't seen my parents for over two years, so we told the girls that we, that I was going to be Oma and Opa's Christmas present uh, this year, and so that so you were gone. You you were out of town right. at that so, moment. Well, yeah, and and then uh, we went before I left. Um, we all went downstairs and we had apple hot apple cider before we all left, um, and so at that time, you know, we explained to the girls that the best Christmas present that you can give is yourself, and so this is what mo- uh, mom is going to do, but. I'll be back on December 26th. And Janelle says, well, how about our Christmas traditions, you know? And so I explained Typical to- Typical 12-year-old, right. Hey, yeah, mom, what about right. me? Yeah, right. Well, uh-huh. how about my, yeah. Yeah. And so um, um, it was 5.30, and uh, Jennifer had to leave to play her um, varsity basketball game. Uh, Janelle had a concert, so, and th- then my boss at Poe Folks uh, picked me up to take me to the- um, uh, airport and um so 
Jim and, and, and Janelle went to McDonald's. Okay. They were gone. They went to get a bite to eat probably, right? Yeah. Right. So right. this is quarter to six. Jennifer's gone. She's had a basketball game. Yeah. She was in basketball, of course. And you're going to be going to your daughter's choir, her uh, concert. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing. Um, Janelle didn't want us to go to the concert for some some reason and as a result of that I just decided that okay I'm gonna honor that I'm gonna I'll go to the basketball game and come home right after the basketball game and uh, so the timing of that but, was interesting but she wanted to go to Jennifer's basketball game but you know it, it was 10 degrees she had been home for two days being really sick when she has a cold she has a really bad cold so she was home. and the only reason she went to school that day is because she didn't want to miss out singing in the choir that night okay, if, okay i'm sorry yeah and and she wanted she had some christmas presents that she wanted to give to her friends that day so she knew it was the last day kind of like was it the last day of school second to the last yeah second day and um but she didn't want you to go to her concert well no she just kind of mentioned you know, um, Dad, you, you you don't have to come. You know, just mm-hmm. like I, I don't know whether parents or people were what kind Kids of a force. It was at the Union Colony Bank, mm-hmm. and I I don't know, but somehow or other, you know, I felt that. But um, so, you know, Jim is a sports person, so oh know, easy. He, I'll go to the basketball game. <laughs> if you'd have been home, right. you probably would have. Yeah, you would have right. switched exactly. Right. So he went to Jennifer's game and then came home at 9.30, and he knew exactly why it was 9.30. And why uh, did you? Why would you? Because as I was pulling into the driveway of our house, the 9.30 news just started. Sure. So it, and for some reason, that just really stuck in my mind. Of course, as things un, unraveled. Uh, was the garage shut when you got there, or was it open? Because they, uh, one of the, the folks that dropped her off Right. Uh, after her concert said that the father had mentioned that the garage door was open. Exactly. Yeah. The, when we all left. It was. Around si- before six o'clock, the, it was closed. And uh, our friend, Russ Ross, who was one of our best friends from church, and, and his daughter was one of our daughter's best friends, uh, dropped her off and watched her walk through the garage into the door leading to the house from the garage. So, so he watched her do that. So he that was the last. And did he see her shut the garage when she walked in? Oh, no, in? No, 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 no. He didn't. No. Wow. That's interesting. And, you know, we don't lock in those days. We didn't. We, don't, we didn't lock no. our doors. Gloria, we didn't. It was a different time. It's not like today by far. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, and especially then, it was so, it was one of my reasons for loving being here so much. I loved what we had. I loved the way the, the, our state was. I loved mm-hmm. God, country, family, and everybody felt that way, and everyone smiled about it. And, and God forbid, if you you know talk about it today, it's almost like you're committing a mortal sin by bringing that up. But it was awesome. It was a wonderful time. So now, all right, getting back, reflecting. If I could just piggyback on what you just said, sure. I think this is one of the reasons this case became so big nationally is because people probably thought well gee this isn't these parents aren't on drugs or this isn't a runaway or anything like this and then you've got this beautiful midwest town 
that's just almost, you know, what you idolize in your mind. Hey, this is where I'd like to raise kids. Yes. We still feel that way about Greeley. But, but uh, and I've talked to, to the detectives about this, and they said the same thing. I think one of the reasons is so many people can relate to this community and to us as middle-class parents. I know, and, and hardworking, and I mean, and loving kids, you adopt a child, um, but so here we are. So we'll go back to that moment, you're home, it's 9.30, and you walk in, and what did you find? Well, I walked in, we have a bi-level, and I walked downstairs because the TV was on, mm-hmm. and also a quartz heater right next to her chair. And, um, and I said, uh, hi, Janelle. And of course, I got no response because I thought she was she was there. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, I thought, well, maybe she's upstairs or something. And I had something I needed to do right away, wrap present. And so, if, oh, about five or ten minutes later, I went back upstairs to see if she was there. And because uh, our two girls had their rooms upstairs, and uh, again, could not find her. And our, our girls are really, were really good about telling us if they had changed the plans or um, so that we knew where they were. They would either call, they'd leave a message in the house. And uh, as I started looking around and trying to understand what was going on, um, I, there, was no, there was no messages except one message that she had written concerning one of my teachers, I was a principal at Platte Valley Elementary at that time, had called and wanted a substitute the next day. And so we had one of those square phones that has a chalkboard on it. Oh, I remember those. remember those those in the old days? And she had written something to the effect that Sandy needs a substitute. Sandy Snap, I guess was her last name. Sure. And um, so we knew that she was in the house well, after had she been, came, at least. yeah, had yeah. been in the house after she came home, to be able to take that phone call. And according to Sandy, that you know she called somewhere around eight thirty ish. So now it's getting you know about. I've been home now twenty five thirty minutes, and my my oldest daughter comes home, and I asked Jennifer, Jennifer, do you know where Janelle is? She's not here. Uh, I've been home for you know twenty five thirty minutes. Uh, and Jennifer said, no, Dad, I, she didn't tell me that she was going to do anything different. And that's when I started feeling something was totally out of uh, character for our, for our family. And uh, She had never done that. It, she's not, you know, I, I had thought in my own mind when I first heard, oh, she got mad about something. Or she just went to her girlfriend's house, little friends, you know. And yeah, kind of a runaway or it, so, it, something just, like this. For yeah. the moment. Yeah. Um, because I did that once when I was 12. So I thought, oh, that's all it is, no big deal. But you never right. ever think in your heart, right. well, you wouldn't think this. You wouldn't. It just didn't even cross my mind. And um, so the p- point being, though, so you looked in the house. She wasn't there. You spoke with Jennifer. Right. Gosh, well, where would she be? Did you start calling, calling friends, or did you call Well, fir- first Gloria? Of all, I, no. First of all, I called our pastor, who's about my best friend at that time and sure. still is and and uh just told him what the scenario was and he said i think you need to call the police right away really so i did uh and then i reported her missing and then after i gave them the information they needed then i started calling uh, and i think I, I called three of her friends uh to see if they had any clue 
where she might be and whether she had mentioned something to them uh, and some of them were in the choir and none of them said no I she didn't say anything to me uh, about and she changing. was dropped off at home too so exactly yeah so that's when the nightmare really started did the police come out to your house oh yes right yeah, they were out within probably 25 30 minutes I had four or five detectives in clothes plain or uh, uniformed police scouring my house for clues and then uh, so they got right on it you know how often you hear that the police doesn't don't come right away yes yes but um, tell them that maybe why okay um, just so happened <laughs> just so happens that's that's not a good way of putting it no Mike okay. Williams was the chaplain in the Greeley Police Department and he was a pastor at I think it was Greeley Christian Church where Dayspring had one of their campuses anyway he was there and he he knew me and so I, I I've never talked personally to Mike but I think he said something to whoever received the call that hey this guy's legitimate get he's, out he's, there. yeah he's not he knew enough about me that uh, you know we didn't have a dysfunctional family where somebody could have run away or whatever and I think that really gave some credibility immediately to the police department that they got on it right away. And they did. Um, and then the nightmare starts. So when, when did you find out about it? Well, you know, I was up in the air. And, you know, our flights... You were flying. Yeah. 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 Uh, she, meant, she was in an airplane. <laughs> she, she was flying. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, it was a cold night. And there's so many flights that were delayed because of the ice on the airplane. So I didn't arrive in Los Angeles until midnight and uh, by the time I got to uh, my sister's house she they picked us up uh, uh, my sister and brother-in-law and um, it was one o'clock in the morning and you know Jim and I always when we ever were gone we always call and say I'm here Good safely yeah, yeah. so at one o'clock in the morning this mm -hmm. is and so Jim this is what Jim said to me he says glow I don't know how to say this but we can't find Janelle I can't even imagine that. All right, because we're in this story right now, the storyline, let's ask Jennifer. I'd like to um, pass that mic to Jennifer if we could, because she now, you come home, so why don't you pick it up from there? Um, you've come home from your basketball game. Right. And how, what happened to you? What so, was your thoughts? Okay, my dad asked if I knew where my sister was and or had heard any plans that she had, and I said no, we didn't really talk that much anyways. My sister and I, we had some sibling rivalry going on, and especially that night as well. So um, it's a little bit surreal. The police are coming to your house. They're um, fingerprinting in my room while I'm just laying there trying to go to sleep because I'm wanting to, Oh my gosh! you know, just keep my life as normal as possible, but it wasn't. Did you have any thoughts for yourself thinking, what she's she's fine did you go through that sister thing like where is she no is she? because if she would have run away i think janelle is very dramatic and would have written a note would not have run away five days before christmas because she wants those gifts under she, the tree toy. so um yes i thought something was, was so wrong. you felt something sinister something horribly has happened you really did just right. like that mm -hmm. you thought that all right so you just are in bed now uh was it I, your family, your dad is up with the police, I'm sure, right. phone calls to your mom. Did you talk to your mom that night? I did night? not talk to my mom. I don't know if I slept. I must have slept. And then I went and had a police escort to 
school the next day. I just went on. I don't know why I went to school. I didn't have. There's nothing I could why have done. Why would you have a police escort? I don't know. They that they took me the, to they took me to school. They're just protecting you. I, All right. So now, um, where? So you did you come home, Gloria? Um, uh, no, not that night. Um, <clears throat> well, it was the one o'clock morning. in the morning. No, I didn't mean that yeah. night. But yeah. Um, so got some rest and yeah. got home the next morning. Uh, so the well, you know, that night when Jim said that, uh, there was an immediate heaviness in my stomach. I knew there was something wrong, you know. And then I, uh, Gina, my sister, said. I heard you just crying all night long and I just um so the next morning we went out for breakfast and we went to my parents house you know and so I told my parents when I got there of course I surprised them and I said um mom and dad I can't stay um I have to go back home because they can't find Janelle that's just yeah And um, so that night, uh, we had a friend who worked for Frontier Airlines, and he made arrangements for me to just come back home that night. And um, and now you're together with Jim. your husband, Jim, mm-hmm. and that really now boils down to the two of you, and what do you do? How do you get through? What's What are the steps? I know the community came around you. Is that when Eileen Gibson sort of came in, no. or was that a little later? No, that's later. Okay. Uh, we'll I think... The first few days, you're still bewildered. Yes. I mean, what's what is happening? You're still trying to wrap your your arms around this, and it's very difficult. Uh, I did not go to. There was one day of school left, uh, and on the 21st, and I called my superintendent and I said, Glenn. Uh, I, I can't come in today. My daughter's been missing. Uh, was since it 24 hours now? About. Well, it's, you know, 12, 14 mm-hmm. at least. Yes. And, um, and he said, fine, you know, do what you need to do. And, um, and, and, you know, I had to make myself available to the police, you know, in case they come across something or, and they naturally have many questions that they, they, they are constantly working through as they start the investigation. And they had, they had I know they had uh, dogs out sniffing around the property we have kind of a culvert behind us too, and uh, of course, that was one area that they immediately went to in case something foul had, had happened. Exactly. And, uh, so, yeah, you know, Gloria came home, and um, and then as the word started circulating around a little bit, um, people started coming. Neighbors. And neighbors, uh, people that knew me from Dayspring, people that knew me from Sunnyview Church, where I, where we attended, and uh, that's when I believe God started protecting us, so that we could get through this, because we found out that about ninety five percent of the couples that go through this end up in divorce. That's exactly what our research showed us. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah, it's really high. They do not make it. And it's not just even a death of a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a horrible scenario for you two, for sure, because a death, a car accident, or an illness, I mean, there's some, it's a little different than vanish out of nowhere type thing. But they, no, it's difficult parents blame each other and that's a question that i i wanted to get back on for you jim the police are around 
they're taking fingerprints. They're in your daughter, 16-year-old daughter's room, which going, why are they taking fingerprints in here? And all those things that you must be thinking as a family. And me, God, are they looking at me? Are they out of their mind? What were you going through? Did you feel intimidated at all by the pressure of everyone's looking at me too? I mean, I, we've had emails, and some of those emails were like, what is it like for the parents because they always suspect murder you know the idea that wife is missing the husband did it you know or nowadays it's the husband's missing and the wife did it so I, I'm just saying did you have that horrible soundtrack in your brain you know well and you're a Christian guy you're a God-fearing loving man and you have a great reputation how difficult that had to be well you know people ask me how I felt I, I was numb for days. It, it was almost like going through a dream. Yes. Uh, but what was helping us is the people who were reaching out to us and maybe visiting and or praying for us. And I know Gloria and I both feel that that was one of the keys that got us through it was people's support, whether it be uh, with food or whether it be with prayers. Uh, they surrounded you, right? Surrounded it, it, the house. That's what. Yeah, we f we just we felt that, yeah. and uh, and I I just feel blessed because we we had that support. Did he answer your question? Yes. Okay. It did. It did. But sort of. Um, there. You know where I was going with that. The pointed. I just know that um, I've spoke with people that have gone through other tragedies, and sometimes you feel like, God, is anyone listening to me? Do they have a clue what I'm going through right now? Um, and just the, the police, yeah, uh, can we get another fingerprint over here? And <laughs> where are you exactly at this time? And what did you do? And uh, how could she leave with her shoe? You know, all the interrogation and those heavy questions, and you're sitting there going, I have no idea. But in your heart, in your heart you're going, don't they get it? I'm dying inside here, you know? That's what I'm trying to reach in and get because those were questions that have been addressed to us. Well, for months afterwards, I was the prime suspect. And knowing uh, runaways, missing children, a lot of times it is the father yes. who's abducted a child and maybe it's a, a, a marriage thing and he's he's running away with one of the children. I, that happened all the time during those uh, well, not all the time, but it, but it, does it, it was a scenario that, that was very familiar. And so, you know, I knew um, months afterwards, and, and I was still the main suspect, I knew that the police department was doing their job, and I wanted to help them do their job. So I didn't get, didn't get angry uh, because I, calm. I, I tried to stay as calm as I could because I knew what they were doing. When you know what they're doing... It, it helps. Sure, and you had nothing to hide. Did they do a exactly. polygraph? Oh, Did yeah. They? I had two polygraphs. One, the first one was done by one of the top guys. In fact, they, they flew him back in from South America. <laughs> to uh, He was supposed to be the top uh, interrogator. interrogator west of the Mississippi in the FBI. And, yeah, I spent, I spent an hour and a half, two hours taking a polygraph test. No, it was longer, honey, because it was like from 8 to 2, and you finally said, I've got to take my parents to the airport. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. Well, that still, do you realize the pressure? Yeah. I can't imagine going through the loss 
and then possibly being a suspect. And so what did you do, Gloria, your home now? Your home, you walk in, your daughter's missing. How did you keep your legs underneath you? And how did you too stay so committed when the stats and the statistics all over the country say it's, it's not gonna happen? Well, um, I, I think both Jim and I, you know, and I think Jennifer too, is that, you know, we do what we need to do. And I think when you just go through those steps, you're, you're kind of like denying some, uh, you know, what is really real. Um, but, it, uh, but it's in the evenings, you know, when you're by yourself and you're just thinking about the day and what is really happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, the sadness just flooded over me. And, um, mm. uh, but, as far as Jim and I, I know who Jim is, and I know his character. And, you know, he doesn't like to hunt because he would be killing an animal. You know, it, so, you know, for him to be the suspect. So I was just pretty relaxed, you know. You, you were confident. Yeah, were definitely. Confident. And so whatever needed to be done, we'll just go ahead and do whatever we could do. Mm. But other than that, um, um you automatically, uh, I wouldn't say I was in a depression. I, I, I don't think I ever um, went through it, but so much sadness and a lot of crying, of course. Oh, and, of course. Yeah. Um, you know what I think? There's something that just hit me because of maybe just personal things, but God, as Christian, as a Christian, he prepares us for, like, in the beginning, you know, like, your friends come around you, you have people like Eileen, you have a precious daughter, you've got her friends, they're all surrounding everybody and we're Christians and we're praying for the beginning. And he prepares us too, even for the end, the grace to get through. Amen. But he that middle, that middle part, that's the part that, um, that I think is most difficult the unknowing the waiting and then that's when we need to trust that's when we need to be on top of it more than any other time that's like a woman that's pregnant you know in the beginning oh my gosh I'm gonna have a baby and I feel so good and you know and all my friends are happy then she's about seven months and she doesn't feel good and she's throwing up and you know she's tired and the nine months she goes get this baby out of me and and you go through the pain, is it ever going to come? And then the birth of the baby, and it comes, and what a blessing. Mm -hmm. The middle part. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, it makes you ponder, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, to be honest, Jim and I have never, never asked why, Lord. Never. But I have asked God, why haven't you answered any of these prayers? Thousands of people have been praying, you know, and uh, of course God doesn't need thousands of prayers. He just needs one prayer, you know. And um, um, <clears throat> and so um, after 10 years, um, of course your prayers just, you know, it's still going and, cool. and yeah. And, um, I remember my, my favorite um, devotion is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. And I came to um, August 6th. And um, 
you know, I, I always, I always am praying, and I always, at the end of my prayers, you, Lord, you know that we're going to give you the honor and the glory, and um, but tell us, you know, why haven't you revealed anything? And um, so this uh, one August six, Oswald Chambers says, we as Christians ought not to be living proof that God answers prayer, but we ought to be living monuments of his grace. And that day, from that day on, when I read that, I said, you know, Lord, I don't need your answers. I just need your grace. And um, so from that day on, I, you know. He gave you the grace. Yeah, I I just gave it to him, and I said, Lord, you know, whatever, whenever. You know, and praise God. And Jim, I know that's where I'm so glad to have this time with you. It, there's a warmth that, you know, um, that God is sharing, and He does answer prayers. Look at Sarah in the Bible. She was 80, and she's having a baby. You know, He never gave up. So, uh, you well, know. <laughs> look, at, look at what happened. To, I don't want to be to, 80, but you have to admit yeah. He did answer her prayer. And He did bring, he did bring Janelle home. That's right. And, he brought and, her home. And that was an absolute miracle. Where she was found, how she was found. And, you know, yeah, that, that brought closure that not only our family, but Greeley especially, mm-hmm. yes. they needed some kind of closure. And, and he explained to them, if it had been three feet oh, different, yeah. <laughs> that's what gets me. It gives me chills. And, it and does. Eileen just it will be visiting with us here soon. We're going to get the community part yes. in this, I promise. But I just think this is important, these facts. If, what? Two feet, whatever. If they would have been two feet in a different direction, they'd have never found her. Right. So you know it's God. Amen. Absolutely. And, you know, people have asked me, well, how did you respond um, when the detective called? And uh, last year we came to Greeley because Robert Cash, the detective, who was very determined and, and very diligent in this case, he asked us to come out. And because there is, uh, there are questions that he had, and um, if we could just do it face to face, so we flew out here, and uh, uh, Robert has um, put together th- uh, this whole case for the Missing Children Center because he wanted the missing the experts at the Missing Children Center to help him, you know. Um, maybe there's some insight that they have and they yeah and and they did and so anyway um after after that whole thing was over i told jim and i've never said this before and this is the first time i have said to jim you know i am done I, i i am done and if they do not find anything about Janelle or anything, I am ready to tell the police department, let's go ahead and get a death certificate and let's just close the case. Of course, they can't close the case mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the body is still missing. But that is the first time that I have um, um, said that. And then afterward, uh, then, you know, God's timing, he mm-hmm. knew that I would be more ready now to receive this kind of news than, than I was you could before. Have been back there. I think that would have been very difficult. 
extremely difficult because as long as the body was never found, there's always that glimmer of hope. Mm-hmm. Isn't it it's true? Tough. She, I know people that have lost people and think they're not really gone and you're going to see them again, let alone them disappear. You're going to think one day she's going to knock on your door and say, I'm here. But in a way, she did. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what she did. She knocked on your door and said, I've never forgotten you. You know, I'm here. Um, all right, let's, before we go on this, before I bring in um, your daughter, uh, Jennifer, and Eileen Gibson, who led the community, I think that's an important piece because Amen. other people need to know how to deal with these things if they happen, God forbid. But let's talk about the fact that A, she was adopted, mm-hmm. Janelle, mm-hmm. and her mother wasn't quite 13 years old when she had her. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let you take it from there. Well, when we, um, you know, we uh, when we adopted her, um, they always ask, "You want a boy or a girl?" Well, we didn't care, and we always said, "We don't care if she's Chinese, Japanese, anything, anybody." And um, but they always try to match the child, um, you know, so that when the child looks at you. This, this is what they're thinking was sure. in those days. Okay? Yes, that's right. It's 34 so, years ago. So if, if the parents were great musicians, they would try to place the child in a family where they could give that child the, you know, the wow. uh, lessons. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so here we are, and our uh, caseworker said you know, that she came from a Mexican uh, background, and the mother is more Spanish and Portuguese, and that the mother was very, uh, you know, was domestic, and anyway, and the father, I can't remember much, um, they didn't know much about the father. So, um, at six weeks old, um, we got Janelle in Santa, Bar- in Santa Barbara, California, and because we lived in Camarillo. So, you've had her ever yeah. since she was six weeks old. Yeah. Right? Now, the mother, let's uh, what I was, oh. I want that story because most people don't know about it. How this 13 year old mother had they she birthed a child, which at 13 or almost 13, so hard mm-hmm. anyway. I just I'm heart sick, but that was a wonderful choice. She gave Janelle life. Now she's looked you up, she has no idea what's happened, right? And right, so um, years later, this is years later, and we were in Haxton. And we didn't have um, mail service to our house. We had to go to the post office. And so that day, um, I got to the post office, and here was this letter in handwriting, and I opened up, and it was typewritten or on the computer. And um, it says, um, Dear Mr. and Mrs. Matthews, my name is Terry Martinez, and I just wanted to let you, um, you know, I gave birth um, so many years ago and I and if it's okay with you I'd really and like to meet her you know so I got I that was in the post office and I started bawling in the post office and so anyway I went home but to make a long story short I just wanted uh uh, so we shared it with Pastor Christie and he kind of warned us you know just be very careful um because you don't know what the motivation is so um, our next door neighbor was a handwriting analysis, and 
I went to her and I said, you know, do you mind helping me? Because she she traveled all over this um, nation in court cases. So she read her handwriting and she described Jan- uh, this handwriting and what she described was Janelle. All the adjectives that she used was Janelle. Oh. And, and, um, and then um, I said, um, do you think we could trust her she says oh yes you know so that's when I that's when I wrote that we both wrote uh, the letter and we said we didn't want to open up right away but we just asked her about her background and tell us a little bit about herself so she did and um, and then you know, we had another uh, letter, but we opened up and uh, I explained everything. Did you everything. do this through a letter or not a phone call? N- uh, n- no phone call, just letters. Wow, that had to yes. be so yes. difficult. Because she was in California, we are in Colorado. But eventually, we invited her to and her husband to come. But, you know, they had been married at that time, I think, 12 or 12 and a half years, and she wasn't able to conceive. She said as soon as she wrote the letter, she got pregnant afterwards. And oh, my God. Yeah. So you wrote in the letter, though, what happened to her daughter, her I, biological daughter. Yeah. Right? In the letter. I just wanted to be clear on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we wrote to her what happened. and, and um, How difficult. Oh, it was. To write Yeah, that. because I said, you know, Terry, I don't know how to share this with you, but we... We lost Janelle, and so you know. Then we got into uh, details, of course. But um, anyway, so um, when she came um, to Colorado, she was pregnant with um, her son, Daniel Victor, and um, Jennifer and Benji were at because at that time they were living in Washington. So it was around Christmas time that they came, and and. Um, Cody was three months old, and then three months later, Daniel Victor was born. Oh my goodness! Yeah. That had to be that. That had to be a, a, her reaction. Was it loving? Was it in shock? Was tell us what what she wrote to you, if you can. How did she react to what you wrote? I just can't. She said she knew something was wrong oh, because okay. because they couldn't find anything because she had somebody helping. I don't know whether it was a organization or right. a detective but they couldn't find her social security number because she had you know at that time you don't have old. no you don't have social security unless you go start working you know so she hasn't really worked and then uh no driver's license just nothing about her and so that's um she said she knew something was wrong i'm grateful that she was able there's god again in the whole don't you think jim mm-hmm. how Absolutely. he just weaved this beautiful quilt yes. you know and she accepted jesus as a savior when she was 18 years old so they're very strong uh christians armando was uh, her husband um was studying to be a priest at that time and then he met Terry and he didn't continue on and they <laughs> that was Anna. she must be pretty powerful lady I think she is, she is. anyway very special yeah. any yeah. last minute thoughts before we uh, switch over we're gonna visit with your daughter a little bit and then Eileen um, because I think these stories uh, in it it's full circle these are the people that uh, were the passion behind 
and the focus uh, and it, during this time for you, beside, of course, Christ. Well, I, you um, know, Eileen was the spearhead. And one of the main things you try to accomplish, especially uh, 35 years ago, is get her face out so that everybody sees it. Milk cartons, TV. Brand new at that time, too. That yes. wasn't a common y yes. thing. Yes. Well, it started with John Walsh just a couple That's years exactly before right. that. And uh, Eileen is the one that just op had so many doors open up for us that uh, uh, she, she should be here. And she is. And she is. Okay. Thank you. God bless you both. Um, we do have a something special Sunday coming up. Do you want to quickly mention yes. that? Yes, we um, are going to have a closure celebration and um, uh, a, a Sunday at 3 o'clock at Adventure Church on um, 20th Street. And we're calling a celebration because we are celebrating, you I, know. I am too. She came to a brutal end, you know. I'm sad that her ending of her life was so brutal. Do you, we, you don't know really what happened at this time, do you? Um we, we oh, you can't we have talk some, about it. Yes, we have not. some information, but, you know, it's... Just okay. the integrity of the process. Yeah. Okay, so, so it wasn't a happy ending in that one moment, whatever. So, in a way, we have to celebrate mm -hmm. the fact that she's been with Jesus for That's 30 right. and a half of a years, <laughs> and we're behind, you know? <laughs> And uh, that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact that God has been so faithful and that uh, people have been praying for us. And, and these prayers are the prayers that, you know, that God is able to do what, uh, what nobody we, else yeah, could do. Yeah, exactly. And so we're, um, we're giving God the glory for everything, you know, that we've been through. The fact that we are still together and the fact that we are... Um, now you moved, right? You moved to oh, another yeah. country. Oh yeah. Oh, we moved many times. Oh my goodness! But you're out of the country now. We kept, that's another story. You come back on that one. Yeah, my husband loves being overseas. But you know that we have oh, a daughter. He's got the heart for it. You know the who. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to lose our daughter, our, our daughter, emotionally and socially, as a result of this. And uh, then again, because of Pastor Christie having a doctorate degree in in counseling was able to, to, to counsel with Jennifer, to counsel with us, and to help us through this whole process. God provides. Yes, we need that counseling. People should never be left out. And it's one of the reasons why we have the Grief Center here in Greeley that has been a gift to this community. Um, because we never think that we're going to need something like that to you need something like that. Well, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so grateful to have this thank opportunity you, with yeah. both of you. Okay, um, we have Eileen Gibson with us and um, Jennifer. Jennifer was 16 years old when your sister went missing. Uh, you were 16, your sister was 12, clarify that. And um, I'd like to kind of finish the story. I'd like to talk with um, Eileen first because uh, right now she's was and a big part of your parents life at that time whatever Eileen brought you into this were you close to the family before this happened or did God just put it on your heart to jump in there well uh, several things were entering in there we knew Gloria and Jim my husband and I knew Gloria and Jim th because of another couple we were mutual friends of the three couples and couple other couples included there and 
when it happened, you can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And all of us were hurting for them and seeing their pain. And you are just driven to help alleviate this pain, help do something. And so several of us got together and said, what are we going to do? And we decided to call it the Rescue Janelle Committee or Thrust. And we all felt at that time, you know, today is so different than then because of the Internet and Mm -hmm. quick Mm -hmm. uh, transmission of information. But we all felt that we needed to get her picture out, the story out. Did you go to the newspaper? You started getting other groups well, involved? Well, we started brainstorming. Yes. You know, more, more brains are better than one. And we started brainstorming and how could we attack this? And I've just always believed that if you don't ask, you don't get. And uh, so we just started going for the sky's the limit. And, and, and you, well, I, I didn't mean only for the sake of time, but the point being that you jumped in with your other friends, but you led this, Eileen, because I saw you on the news several times. Well, there were many friends who wanted to do something, and so um, we just tried to contact news media, ABC, there CBS, NBC. Uh, the the anchors were coming a lot to Greeley, the Denver anchors, to interview Jim and Gloria off and on, and uh, we were able to finally get it on the World News Tonight, ABC, with Peter Jennings back then. And What about the milk carton thing? That was kind well, of... Well, and I, I wasn't much involved with the milk carton, okay. how that happened, but it, it came as a part of the evolution or trying to um, get Janelle back. And, and so we also... Would you share the story of Uraldo real quickly? Well, and we also were, the biggest thing was uh, getting to the president of the United yes. States, Ronald Reagan. And um, I remember where I was when I knew I had finally punctured the inner sanctum of the White House. And <laughs> they said, we're going to send you, uh, we're going to fax you a copy of his speech that he's going to make today about missing children. And Janelle will be mentioned. And I said, Oh, couldn't he hold up her picture as well? <laughs> and, Only uh, Eileen, I know. And uh, and it was the same thing with ABC News. Uh, when I finally got through to the inner sanctum at ABC, they said he, she's going to be on World News tonight at six. At, at, well, with Peter Jennings, and I said that's too late. That's the later hour news. There used to be eleven o'clock news. They don't have anymore. And uh, I said, no, we want it earlier. And they said, no, that is the six o'clock news. <laughs> and so, and it was wonderful that there was a video of Janelle at the choral concert that night. That was the unusual piece that that really appealed to media because they had a picture of her hours before she went missing. And uh, and then a couple of years later, I was flying to Omaha and noticed that in the newspaper, because I'm from Omaha, that uh, Geraldo Rivera was in Omaha. And I just said, Lord, I want to get to Geraldo Rivera. He had a talk show, mm-hmm. a five-day-a-week talk show. And I, I just said, Lord, if it's at all possible, put him on my plane or put him in front of me somewhere put in Omaha. And so... Um, 
I got on the plane. Uh, I mean, what are the odds he's going back to Denver? What are the odds he's going to be on your plane? I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. But if you don't ask, you, you don't, know, yeah, right. I'm you, saying, you have Lord, not you I'm praying not. here. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I got on the plane, noticed this odd person across the aisle from me and just noted him. And then all of a sudden, we're in the air and... Here comes Geraldo Rivera back to talk to this odd person across from me. So I knew he was part of Geraldo's crew. And it was like the Lord said, well, you ask, here he is. What do, you, what do you want to do about it? Just and so I started writing all these notes uh, that I could think of around the case. And, and then I kind of just walked down the aisle <laughs> to first class. And at that time, they had curtains they still uh, for do. first class. I and so, warn you. So... Um, I walked up there, and here was a, an empty seat across from Geraldo. And I said, excuse me, Mr. Rivera, I've got to talk to you about something very important. And I start talking, and, and the flight attendant said, you don't belong here. You didn't pay. You get back there. <laughs> and then I said, but you don't understand. This is very important. Uh, it's about a life. And she said, oh, I do understand. But if he wants to go back there with you, he can. And so I had this panicked look on my face, and he said, I'll wait for you in Denver. And I I couldn't believe it. So then I I ran back to my seat and wrote out more notes. (laughs) First of all, gave him the first set so that he knew I was credible. And so then um, I got to thinking and doubting and thinking, he's not going to wait. And so, sure enough, I got off at Stapleton, the old airport, and there he was. And what did it do? Well, what it did was within that year then, he did a Missing Mm -hmm. Children show, and Gloria and Jim were on it, along with, I think, Beth Miller, who was missing from Idaho Springs. No, I was thinking her parents were on it, but I think there were like six families who all had a missing child. And so I, I felt like God had answered that, and and if just by listening again today about their story, you can see they are such monuments of grace, and they are such testimonies to friends who are feeling grateful to be their friends, and and they are such a blessing to so many. I, I think God has really used them well, and continues I'm, to. I'm grateful that we've had this time. Um, I would love, Jennifer, okay, so over the years, mm-hmm. you're 16-year-old. Now you're 18, two years later. What's your thought when you hear about other children missing? Or did she always have the lingering thoughts of your little sister somewhere? Sure. And until you have a body or some type of closure, you you always wonder. And there's certain times of my life that um, it would get a little bit more poignant, like my wedding or the birth of my son or, you know, just different times. And you'd wondered what your relationship would have been like as adults. Because Mm -hmm. when you're a self-involved teenager. No, you're fighting. Yeah. Yeah, she was hard to get along with and stuff like that. Well, so, of course. She probably just loved you to death. Yeah, I'm sure she did. Oh. Uh, she probably idolized you in the big sister thing. So. Well, oh, Mom, do I have to take her? Mom, can't you get yeah. her? You know, will you get her out of my room? I know what happened. <laughs> just like that. Just so. like that. But now, but now. So now uh, it's really interesting to come back to Greeley as an adult mm-hmm. and to watch my parents and what they're going through. Um, oh, I'm so sorry, Jennifer. You know what's amazing to me about this? It doesn't matter that it's been 34 years. 34 years, it's still like it was yesterday. 
But the fact is now she's been recovered. And all the forgiveness, just note, there's a lot of forgiveness now for everything. She's, she's here. You know, I'm just grateful to be on the fringes of this and getting to see that, you know, that this dream came true, that God answered this prayer 34 years later, and he did. And I just want to say, if I can get through it, on what last Wednesday when we got the call, and I was crying because it's okay, sad. I know. But I said to my husband, God has been so good to my family for 34 years, and my parents are still together. Yes, that is a blessing. You know, when you look around the country and see how parents break up for menial things, right. let alone, you know, families, it's difficult, period. And to see that your parents are who they are and what has happened and what God has done. Well, and our God is who he is, and he is faithful, and he's answered prayers, and he's gotten our family through this. And um, so I was crying just because it was it was sad news, but more my tears are just, um, I've been humbled, and they're just like tears of gratitude, mm -hmm. just and because we've received so much love from family and friends that it just comes out of my eyes too. So. Of course it does. <laughs> and you have um, forgiveness in your heart. Mm -hmm. You, we don't know who did this. No, at I, this time. I, oh, my prayer now is is that we find who is responsible and that they're still alive, mm -hmm. and that they are willing to be cooperative and give even more closure to our family. As sick as more details would be, it helps to put closure for sure. us. And so that is my prayer. And justice, justice will come here no or anger in your here heart or, on or your in parents. heaven, whatever it does. It. But that is, if I'm going to have a prayer now, it's just that we can find who Fox. is responsible for this. Who's responsible. Well, we'll pray that, um, that this investigation will shed light. It brought light to the subject. It brought her back. And now we'll just thank God for this and to shed uh, the greatest star on uh, the evidence. His greatest star, star bright. Thank you so much, Matthew family. What a blessing. And thank you all for being a part of the podcast. And, uh, and today you're going to hear this on the show. And I want you to know how grateful we are for all of you and to share this message. And the message that I'm going to leave you with is a message of hope the message of grace and you can see this family's not angry and that's only because of God the presence of God the light of God in their life and I can see it in their eyes so a lot to learn here and I appreciate it and I appreciate all of you thank you